I think today is a it's a historical day for the PGA Tour and the game of golf. Uh, and it's a historical day for the PIF and the DP World Tour. And you're right. You know, there's been a lot of tension in our sport over the last couple of years. But what we're talking about today is coming together to unify the game of golf. All right, welcome to an emergency episode of The Loop. I'm Alex Myers. As always, I'm joined by Steve Hennessy, Christopher Powers. We've also got Golf Digest senior writer Joel Beal here, as well as we discuss the shocking, breaking, bombshell news that the PGA Tour and Live Golf are merging. Joel, we're going to welcome you in right away because, you know, everybody seemed to seem to be blindsided by this. Um was everybody really blindsided by this as much as it seems? And and what about yourself? I mean, did, did was was there any inkling that this was going to happen at least this quickly? No, I mean, just two weeks ago, we were at the PGA Championship. And over this past year, I feel like the majors have served as a nice cauldron of whispers and rumors. And you get a good idea from different bodies and entities of what's going on. Uh, the reaction you've seen on social media today from players, I think is indicative of the true sentiment felt by everybody. Um, as I shared with you guys on a meeting earlier, I mean, there were, there were people at the tour who didn't know this was coming and not just tour employees, but those who have high rank and serve on various executive committees. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's such a, I know we said shock and surprising um, and it sounds very, hyperbolic and just eh, but I think that's the cliche answer is the right answer. It's just this is one of the biggest shocks, I think, in the sport that in the last 20 years. I mean, I the yeah. only thing that could really comes to mind is the you know November 2009, the Tigers car wreck, right? Um that's that's the only thing I can compare this to because even even last year, I mean we're on the year anniversary of Liz launch. This had all been kind of trickling out. I think there was a bit of a sh- there was a bit of shocked that it actually kind of came to fruition but it wasn't a surprise if that makes sense i think people were more just blown away that all the stumbles they had it actually did get launched off the ground but i mean nothing to this magnitude and i, I think you're seeing that in the responses today um from players from execs i mean i <clears throat> as you guys know i live in stanford which is home to nbc and golf channel mm-hmm. there was somebody who as as of 20 minutes before it all came out, sent me something about a CNBC report with Monaghan early in the day. And I just thought it was something to discuss a, a potential new international TV deal. They had no idea. And it, it's one thing for players not to know. It's something else when an entity that has a billion dollar agreement with the tour has no idea this is coming. So I, I don't that, think we that was that was pretty evident when the Porsche European Open was playing for like 30 minutes after this news dropped on Golf Channel. Yeah, good point. And then they finally got to it and it, you know, I respect Savarikas and Hack, but, you know, you'd, you'd be expecting Brandel and, and Lerner. Obviously, they're they were not traveling. Prepared, I, I think right. Lerner, yeah. I, they, were, they were not prepared, which, like you said, Joel, is, um, I guess no one was. And I, I, I think that speaks to just how sensitive these talks were. That because let's be honest, the way things kind of work nowadays, once one person knows, especially in I mean, the golf golf is such a 
tight knit, but very gossipy realm. I feel like once one person knows, kind of everybody knows. And heck, we've seen that with live golf in the past 18 months, right? You hear so many different rumors and it can be an echo chamber at some times. You don't know what to believe, but I mean, nobody saw this coming. I think that just speaks to how few people were involved in this decision. Yeah. I feel like, you know, the players in Morikawa didn't know. I bet it's probably true that Rory didn't even know because, you know, Rory is so respected and like, you know, has relationships with people in media that I bet he would have even tipped off someone. I mean, we're just, you know, spitballing, but I, I bet that's true that Rory McIlroy, who's been the face of the PGA Tour, I bet he didn't even know this. Yeah. I don't want to speak for I don't want to speak for Rory, but I will say there was a top ten guy who I, I feel like I have a pretty good rapport with. He texted me, and just judging by his response, I think he he was definitely no. I, obviously, Rory is in a different echelon when it comes to. Uh, or matters, especially given that he's taken on the role that he has over the past nine, 10 months. But I can I can definitely tell you at least the top 10 player did not know this was coming. Well, this is from an hour ago from Ben Strauss, uh, Washington Post uh, media reporter. He talked to an executive at a TV partner of the tour, and they said, quote, we just learned about this. And the, yeah. they, he asked them, are you now a partner of the Saudi government? And they said, quote, we're not sure. And they didn't know if it changes any of the deals or the rights or the production or anything. So these, again, these are, you know, billion dollar deals, partners, and they don't even know what's going on. Joel, what possibly, so you've obviously covered this for us a lot more closely than a lot of, than almost anybody. And you've been involved in a lot of talks with lawyers and some of the legal stuff. Is there an angle here where the tour, whether they had, some bad stuff or not just did not want this to be drawn out in the courts because obviously part of this deal now is that all pending litigation between live and the tour is now dropped. Do you sense that there was something they wanted to end in terms of the legal battle, either for financial reasons, reasons or other reasons, something coming out. So going back to last August when live or the 11 live guys officially filed suit Mm -hmm. and our reporting I thought it was interesting that one lawyer who's helped us with a few things for the past two years on this on this front mentioned no matter how frivolous a lawsuit can be, the main worry is always what can be found in discovery. Okay. And something now, granted, we are pretty far along in the process now. Um, and obviously the the, the Torah countersued shows they at the time had faith and conviction in what what they were standing for, but only like the, the smallest of emails, the smallest of correspondences can wreck an entire case. Um, and I don't know if that had a part in it, but certainly I don't think it's not just meaningless speculation to say that could have been a factor in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is, you know, one of our sources did mention, again, no matter how frivolous the lawsuit can be, it's always in the best interest to kind of get things settled before discovery goes really deep because once that happens, you're kind of SOL. If something is found um, both sides. And that's somewhat why not somewhat it's why live and the PIF did not want to participate in the discovery process when in the countersuit, because all of a sudden you have to open your books to U S courts and given Saudi Arabia and PIF's dealings and tentacles and everything else, I mean, not necessarily it could be nefarious, but just it, it's such a wide ranging thing that, again, only one little thing can swing a court case. So perhaps 
from the tour standpoint, that could be it. But I mean, the, the, the earlier reaction just seems to be all money, right? It, it's, yeah. it just comes down to, I hate to distill it down to such a simple premise, but given that they're going to be the main primary financial backer now, if, if you're at least reading the T lines, right. the thing, I think it's just a, a money infusion deal. Well, speaking of money, you know, obviously the tour has always been, you know, people have been either critical or supportive of the fact that they are a nonprofit. And in this statement, they are somehow keeping this nonprofit status, but yet they are under the umbrella of a for-profit business. Now, Joel, I, again, this is above me. You know better. How how does this work? Does that is that even possible? I mean, they're making it like it's possible, but how does that work? And if someone is controlling all the money and they do have a profit business, aren't they the ones then who are really in charge of everything? Yeah, I mean, obviously, well before this, before the civil war broke out the tourist charity status is something that's always kind of been under right. under uh spotlight uh the easiest way and this is just from a, a text from a lawyer so i don't want to go too deep into it right. um but he just said hey this is a somewhat similar to how you know university athletic departments work in the ncaa of just hey not all colleges are for profit um that being said clearly athletic departments operate with you know tens of millions and some points hundreds of millions those can be somewhat separated from the university itself. Mm. And that's that's the only thing he kind of briefly compared when I asked how this was possible. But admittedly, I've not gone that deep. It was just okay. kind of a question. Yeah. What Joel, what a um a friend who works pretty closely with a PGA tour event told me is, you know, that kind of protects uh the PGA tour name as a charitable organization and the 401c3 part still allows them to provide and be charitable to organizations affiliated with the event. But at the end of the day, as he pointed out to me, you know, this kind of changes all the dynamics of what the tour is now. And that it's indicative in that kind of the TK in the uh, press release, you know, this entity, this now for-profit entity that sort of is running golf um, and it's not fully baked out yet. I mean, there's some really serious business questions to be asked about what this looks like going forward, because, you know, all of a sudden, if, you know, at first you were just a PGA tour, you're a charitable organization. There's questions about that, but now the the whole control of this organization is the board. So, you know, it's, it's like any other huge business, all the major decisions are for profit and in the business's best interest and controlled by this board. And the chairman of this board is, uh, you know, the, governor of, of PIF. And so um, I think that's an important thing to understand about this is what we knew about the PGA Tour being has just completely changed. Yeah. And it should be also noted going back to Delaware last year in that players only meeting that they're in also going back to the JP McManus program where kind of the first of these meetings was held in Ireland the tour going away from that status was discussed and what type of latitude and freedom the tour could have from that. Uh, the tour, however, really holds strongly their belief. They're a, a charity and obviously that their donations for each tournament and each local area they visit, it's really important to them. Um, I'm not sure how this impacts the volunteer status because I mean, that's 95% of our workforce is volunteers at these events. 
Yep. You usually have anywhere from you know 2,400 to 3,800 volunteers at each event. Without them, these these events don't run. So I think that's probably why they're right. so uh, hell bent on keeping this status because without it, it really hurts hurts their way of business. So uh, I I agree. I think that's something you're going to see play out here in the next couple of weeks and months once we get a better idea of what this deal actually entails. But um, the fact that they they included that in their press releases and also on on the CNBC segment, it's they're they're holding that dear. Can 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 Monahan Joel kind of survive this PR nightmare that he's <clears throat> created for himself? I think a lot of people wondered how he survived this long, right? Um, <laughs> it's it's so hard to put into words how upset players are right now, um, how betrayed they feel. Um, I've only texted with probably eight or nine guys, um, but these are guys who are far from hot take artist and just the level of resentment they currently feel not even necessarily about the decision itself, but just the lack of communication. I think one message you've seen sprawled across social media from players, from caddies, from people in the game is just so much for this being a player run organization. I think that was always an aura that never really, once you looked in the details ever held up true, but I think this just, shot an arrow right through that uh that patina they held um so i don't know i mean listen monahan's ultimate goal is to keep the tour running and if he infuses this with a lot more money that ultimately gets it in the um pockets of his players i think you'll see that turned around quickly but yeah i mean he's gonna take a really big pr hit here for the next couple of weeks um i mean it's not like not like live golf backers are suddenly going to be praising jay monahan as a leader all the bashing he's got um yeah i i I mean, the one, the one I just keep going back to, not one, but the players I keep going back to are the likes of Rom, Justin Thomas, and especially Rory. They did so much of the hard work over the past year of mm-hmm. facing the media while Monaghan, for reasons whether you agree with them or not, was kind of held behind the curtain. And they took the beating. Like I, I don't think people totally realize the toll, it, the, the physical, emotional toll it took on I mean, this thing's been so acrimonious. I know that this is supposed to be a gentleman's game, but I mean, this this thing's got really mean and nasty and weighty. I mean, heck, just covering the game, I, you know, I, I you write anything live, even if it's just down the middle, you get all these hate messages and ridiculous emails. And as you guys know, one of live and I covered my computer, computer got destroyed at. Um, and that's just me, a journalist. So I can't imagine the stuff that these guys have taken being the face of it. And now... The thing they stood up for, what they believed was true and right, has kind of been sold out by the very thing they were defending. And I think that's just going to be the that's going to be the really interesting part. You're going to see the next swing. The U.S. Open, God bless them. This is their second straight year. It's going to be not about the U.S. Open. This is going to be, uh, <laughs> and I, I, I'm really wondering if these guys even want to talk because you stood for something that all of a sudden apparently doesn't mean anything to the very people you're trying to defend it. So I, I think that's the most interesting part is the level of betrayal, the guys who really were loyal to the tour feel these next couple of weeks. Yeah. There's so much to play out in these next few weeks. And that'll, I think help determine how players feel about Monaghan going forward and whether this in fact does help their, you know, status going forward. But in the short term without answers, I mean, this four o'clock players meeting that's about to yeah. happen. That's going to be lit. I, I can't wait to hear what comes out of that. Yeah. And I mean, let's be honest, a big part 
of the past two years have has been the morality of the backers of live golf right uh there's a lot it's not as elementary as that but if you had to bring it down to one core it's this idea of sports washing and i i know that's been said over and over and over and i think that is too much of a simplified version of what's going on but it is a part of it and clearly i mean this was the year anniversary last year where Jay Monahan showed up on Sunday at the RBC Canadian Open. Jim Nance asked him about that letter from the 9-11 families. Jay said, no one has ever had to apologize for being a member of the PGA Tour. How? Just 12 months later now, you're siding with those very people that you said. It, it, it just boggles my mind. that That's what it's come down to. Um, I, I, that's going to be the hardest part to reconcile in all this. Um, there's been so much whataboutism over the past year that now has been proven right. I think that's going to be a really, that's to me, that's just the hardest part of all this. I think the financials, people understand that. Um, honestly, I think people are, the weird thing is, I think at least fans, this is what you want, a unified game. This has been mm-hmm. interesting from like a drama train wreck standpoint that you can't help but look. But ultimately, I don't think this was good for the overall health of the sport. So a unified game is great, but the way it kind of came about, I think, is just really jarring. And I think they're going to see a lot of hurt feelings from those in and out of the game. And I think that's going to be the hardest part. How do you sell this to your fans now? Um, and I, and it's, it's going to be remarkable. It really is. It's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. What, Joel, um, speaking of money, obviously we know the Live guys um, had guaranteed contracts and this and that. I mean, is there any, you know, do we think now that, PGA tour events are going to have appearance fees. Do we think there's going to be some guaranteed money? You know, a lot of, there's a lot of talk about the guys who didn't take the money. Oh, they got screwed. Well, can't now they be paid by the PIF fund or everything else for, for, you know, and kind of made whole on not, you know, not taking that money. What have, what do you, have you heard about money going forwards in terms of uh, guaranteed money? Well, I think that kind of going back to what you just mentioned of, I think that was the hardest part of why people couldn't envision this happening is how do you go to these middle tier guys who were offered those three years, $30 million or four years, 40 million, like the Rom Scheffler, the, that category, they're still going to make a lot of money in this. They have made a lot of money. I mean, Rom and Scheffler have already broken the record for most money in a season. We're not even to the U S open yet. Um, it's more of that middle tier. And that tier is the biggest tier of the PGA tour membership, right? How do you go to those guys who are already not exactly thrilled with this new designated event? status that was going to reward the better players um again whether they're right or wrong they weren't happy about it i think they've made that sentiment known over the past three months but now how do you go back and again the the memo to the players it was pretty ambiguous but it did state there would be routes allowed back for these members who ditched to, to reapply um i think that's the toughest sell of I mean, is there any type of financial penalty? If not, I, I, you know, how do you go to those? You know, Mackenzie Hughes has been one guy who's been, he, he's someone who's a very good tour player. I don't think anyone would call him a star by any means. How do you go to Mackenzie Hughes and say, hey, really appreciate you not taking that 50 million on top of all the money that they play for each week on live for staying loyal here. That being said, Ian Poulter and Harold Varner are going to come right back without really any consequence. That is the hardest sell Monaghan will have to do to his membership. Yeah. You know, you mentioned some of these guys. Yeah, Ian Poulter will be okay, obviously. Harold Varner. A lot of these other guys, what you know, I hate to say it, but kind of the washed up guys. Your buddy Lee Westwood, for instance. I mean, <laughs> isn't he isn't he screwed now? 
and I mean, again, I wouldn't, I'd, it'd, it'd be great to see. I hope he is because, you know, get that guy out, but he, you know, he, they needed him on live. They needed him to fill the spots. He was a name. Now, where does he fit? I mean, right. Can't some of these older guys get, aren't they going to be in trouble now? They're not going to get, they're not going to get the rest of their contracts. And, uh, and who knows? That's the interesting thing, right? This isn't the fact that this deal is coming at a part when, Live was kind of dead in the water. I mean, yeah. the fact that you oh, look God. at the Nielsen ratings, the fact that they didn't get anybody new in year two, anybody really of substance, right? right? right. Uh, and I was with somebody connected to a tour event yesterday on Monday, and they they basically I said, give me your list of the six guys you would want to see back. And he only got to four. And this is someone really in the green. His thing was like, here's who sells tickets. Bryson was the first one. It wasn't even yeah. close. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. what you think about him? It's he—he's one of the few people that people come to see. Uh, Brooks was a, a close second, given—I mean, second, and first at the, the two majors this year. Um, uh, he has a certain crowd. I think the Netflix show really has aided his popularity. The one one thing that really blew me away at the Masters was I think even when he was at his best, people were pretty ambivalent on Brooks. It's not that they hated him; they're just there was never a connection. And I think both with his jump to lift golf and the fact that he showed a side of himself that people didn't know existed in, in the Netflix show, you had these now visceral reactions to Brooks. And I think that wasn't lost on people. So I, I think Brooks is right there. After that, like, man, Cam Smith had a really good year last year. People don't pay to see Cam Smith play for the most part. Um, and we're just talking casual fans, by the way. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, I mean, Dustin Johnson's 40. He's had a really good career, but how much gas does he have left in the tank? I, I know they have a couple international guys, but I mean, Joaquin Neiman could walk through an airport and not get many people coming after him for his autograph. It's it's, true. it's hard to say as big golf fans, but it is a, still a niche sport at times. And there's only so many guys that really, you know, really attract the that casual fan, which makes up such a big part of galleries. And the fact that you're now bringing the, allowing these guys back when you really don't need them outside of maybe Bryson and Brooks, like it's just, yeah. that's like the weirdest part. And it also makes you wonder what was going on financially or what was the tour afraid to see in discovery. And this is all right. speculation, but understanding that live really didn't have that many players assets that the tour needed back that the tour had been winning most of the litigation, early litigation battles thus far, that the Nielsen ratings were so bad that live, just decided to stop reporting Nielsen ratings because they were so low. Right. Uh, and the fact that you really didn't have any, well, at least we didn't have any signs that more guys were about to depart for live. It just seems like you were already winning the war. And now why are you going to a truce when it seemed like you were pretty much on the verge of winning the, and the weird part is the, here's the very weird part to me. And this is something that I, I think needs to be reported out more, but in the past couple of weeks, you've seen, news coming out from Saudi Arabia that they're starting this new soccer league. They're going to invest $20 billion into this new soccer league. It seems like that Vision 2030 fund, the endeavor that started all this to try to help kind of acclimate the Western world to this regime that had been ostracized. So for far, far too long, far too long, excuse me. They feel like they want to go for the Olympics and the World Cup, and that's kind of where the attention's going. I know they have unlimited money to do so, but that was kind of where the resources were going. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they were giving up on live. In fact, you know, a lot of people who have studied 
uh mbs have kind of mentioned he hates losing and this is kind of the first time he was starting to lose something so i think he would have still been emboldened to continue this fight but it was a fight by all accounts they were losing and they were starting to look elsewhere for other things so the fact that maybe even saudi arabia wasn't 100 in on live and lives future i mean you saw that with all the shuffle they've had this year so many guys left live golf and after its inaugural year the guy who you know the the scary mf right he left right. Like, the fact that you saw this move and the fact that the, the 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 two big things they needed were team ownership and sponsorship and a major rep and a major media deal and the major media deal did not happen with the cw network either in terms of the platform or the money there and there's been no sponsorship or team ownership live struck out on both of those fronts and yet they're still like they're the winner today right they are coming out on top. I, I don't understand what that, that's the only thing to take is that Live Golf has won. They they were losing this essentially from the start, and they can call themselves winners today. Okay, Joel, this is why they this is why they pay you the big bucks here. Where is the sport five years from now? Is the team aspect still a thing? I hope it gets left in 2023, but we'll see. Is it all 30 men elevated events? Is it, does it look more like it did this year or like the next year's schedule? Where, where do you see this thing going five years from now? Yeah, I think the, I think you're going to see the more of the designated events, right? You're going to see this two tiered system of, and you see this a little bit in European soccer, right? Of both, you have these events that have everybody, and then you have these events that are just for 30 to 50 people. I think you are going to, the designated event model at least from I'm told from a business standpoint, has been a popular seller. Um, the fact that you can get the best guys in the world together for 14 to 16 events, that's a really big sell in the PGA Tours part. Um, and so far, at least their full field events, they haven't experienced the sponsorship worry and drop off that they they kind of, that was the anxiety. I mean, I, just yesterday, John Deere announced they've re-upped. That was an event that really came out on the business end of this new designated model, right? I mean, the fact that they've had this, schedule uh the spot in the schedule right next to the open championship even before all this usually hurt the amount of guys they were able to pull and the fact just where it's at in the year you know if if not every event can have top 20 guys at it right so um but if, if events like that are starting buying they were in a good spot um but yeah i i do think you're going to see the designated the designated event as the way to go forward and the it, the memo in the the memo to the players listed the team component towards analyzing it but the fact that they didn't throw it away, I know initially when this all started back, the initial pitch from uh, the Premier Golf League, when that was still its own entity, was right. team concept would be more in the fall. So it wouldn't be a, a full season run thing. Okay. It'd be more of it would kind of take the silly season from you know late September to November. And those would only be team events. The other proposal I saw at one point, and this goes back to last year, I think even before Live London, but um kind of the the live idea would be you would have these team events spread out throughout the year right so let's say you would have three or four weeks of just individual events and then one week team event then go back to the four or five so they'd be mixed up a little bit uh, i think actually that got a little bit of player traction because it still afforded them a little bit of the off season they they've won it in the fall and i think it also maybe gives the team team concept a little bit more formidability because i think if you held it all in the fall Got people are checking out at that point from golf, um, except you know they're really diehard. So if you kind of mix it in, it's not the worst idea too, because I think one of the biggest shots at the at professional golf has been the sameness in every event. So the fact that you have something to mix it up a little bit, I think it's not the worst idea. Um, 
but yeah, team concept is it's here to say. I, I don't know what type of form that takes. I don't I don't think it's gonna be as regional as maybe Liv has made it. Um I think you could see it in OEMs, uh, apparel companies. Right, right. Yeah, but think, think about the the you're money. You're gonna have to blow up those teams, make. right? Yeah, sorry, Steve. Yeah. I mean, think about the money that they can make. I mean, you just mentioned it, JB. I mean, all these stakeholders in golf, like they were reserved in wanting exactly. to get involved with live, exactly. but you know, that's kind of like out, out the window, you know, if they're still involved with PGA tour, I mean, there's the potential to sell these teams for hundreds of millions of dollars. And that's, I think an inevitability here uh, with this agreement. Yeah. But I mean, the issue we keep coming back to is, I mean, just look at the tour championship from three years ago. It's the, there's a couple guys who are still stars, but the top 20 and 30 turns over so much in golf that I just don't understand or not understand. I don't envision how teams can kind of stay the same year in, year out right. without major turnover. And I know that happens in every professional sport. I, I'm not obtuse to that, but I don't understand how you're going to build any type of team affinity to these clubs that aren't regional or city based. Cause that's what, that's what keeps you a Knicks fan, right? Like, yeah, the guys keep changing, but you're really rooting for the Jersey. Are you really rooting for, you know, Nike. thank you. Right. Uh, well, yeah. Or, or like a club company, right. Are you like, yeah, I'm just, you know, I, I, I roof on the, on this club yeah. team. It's it just, does work in F1. This, you know, somehow they've created this team aspect with the companies. I don't, I don't really no. get it personally, but no, and that was the model. And this goes, again, this goes back to August, but Daniel Rappaport myself did a bit of a takeout piece on where this was going um, last year. And everybody, on the live side really pitched that F1 franchise component as their means of making this a viable product going forward. So yeah, the, the F1 model is a good comparison. It's just, man, sometimes sports just because what works in one sport doesn't work in another. And golf has really shown it's such a unique duck in the professional athletic landscape that um, I, I don't know. It just seems the little traction live has got, I don't feel like it's, the team component that's selling it. I think that was what they wanted to, but I, right. Let's be honest. It's been more made fun of, right. Than anything that I mean, Kepka winning the PGA was like, you know, really what legitimized it and then making a run at the masters. I mean, you know, they did have momentum, um, not financially, obviously, but. And that was the thing, right. Even Brooks refused to be the avatar for live. Right. He's like, Hey, my win only, I, I do this for myself, not for anybody else. Uh, this wasn't, I mean, if it was Phil, he could have made that case, right? But arguably their biggest star even didn't want to be associated with Liv, and yet Liv's still coming out on top. So it's, this This is going to take a while to unpack. Yeah. Um, I mean, I remember when I saw the CNBC News Alert this morning, I thought, oh man, somebody like sent something in air, like a coding error. Right, right. Um, and then that That's email came. My first reaction too, yeah. This yeah, has to be was, some mistake. Yeah. It is yeah, it was wild. Uh, sp speaking of names, we're going to wrap up here, but um, book, what is it? Who, sportsbetting.ag, whatever. <laughs> we got the new odds for the new golf entity name, which by the way, Ooh. how do you even, to show how rushed this is, they don't even have, it's a TBD. And yeah, there's no name. name. Right. It's like, again, um, the favorite, GGA, the Global Golf Association, four to one odds. Pretty then good. you have GWT Golf World Tour, and then I'll just give two others that are six to one odds. WGA, not the Westchester Golf Association, so they they can't use that one, but it's the World Golf <laughs> Association. They have. 
and then WGO World Golf Organization on uh, WGT World Golf Tour. Well, we'll see. So, kind of play with those the new the new world order. New world, yeah, NWO, NWO right? baby. Let's get that. Get, get that. That might have been the uh, overworked uh, joke on Twitter today. A lot of NWO WCW. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't understand. I didn't see professional wrestling and professional golf having as much overlap as uh, as it well, was. Yeah, it's a new world, Joel. So people are rushing to bet Team USA in the Ryder Cup, by the way, which I understand. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. yeah but it's right? Like that I think this this does have positive outcomes for the fans. I, I think this has become for a very sure. important thing. Um, and maybe that's kind of what my hand was talking about when eventually, you know, I'm not worried about today, I'm worried about this 10 years down the road. It's just I think the way that this piece was made, no one, no one wanted to see this battle continue, but um, it just seems like it, it's coming to an end in a very odd fashion. Yeah. I, I, I'm kind of worried if the, of the tour losing some history with events or things like that. But I, again, we're going to have to see how, how it plays out. But um, anyway, Joel, thanks for joining us. Obviously uh, you added a lot there and uh, everybody, I mean, wow, what a day it's been the, the reaction. I know CP was wrapped covering it on, all the reaction on Twitter from, you know, the wags to the players, to the TV execs, to everybody. It's, it's wild times right now. So anyway, glad we were able to get together. Good chat guys. Uh, thanks to our producer, Greg Gopri. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Check back next week. Uh, we'll have a more normal episode. See ya. Okay, guys, it is June, which means the U.S. Open is right around the corner. This also means that Father's Day is right around the corner. Perhaps you're a father yourself and you want to send a little hint to the wife and kids. Perhaps you're thinking about your own dad and a gift idea for him. We have the perfect Father's Day gift idea. That's Golf Digest Plus. This is the gift that keeps on giving. You get new issues of the magazine in your mailbox all year long. All of our digital stories completely unlocked, even some written by Christopher Powers. You get access to our Places to Play course library, the golf ball hot list, the shoe guides. You even get access to our Build Your Own Bag feature. And in case I didn't mention it, stories written by Christopher Powers. That's enough of the highlights. If you're listening to this podcast, you know this is a no-brainer for Dad this Father's Day. Go to golfdigest.com slash plus. Again, that's golfdigest.com slash plus and buy your dad the gift of Golf Digest.